chilliest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching! <laughs> this is the podcast to help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen to empower your children. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me today is... Hi, I'm Abby, and I work for Festival Bridge as Education Programme Manager, and I used to be a primary school teacher in early years in Key Stage 1. Hi, I'm Rob, I work in Key Stage 2 in the school and we're very pleased to have you, our listener, with us as we explore personal, social, health and emotional education with a spine-tingling story from Scotland. So for all the fun and effectiveness of story-led learning, let's don our pointy hats, sprinkle some essence of toad and hang tight to our broomsticks as we dive into this week's story. When a young laddie from a poor family is sent to live with his wealthy aunt and uncle, they treat him like Cinderella, giving him the most grueling jobs. In fact, the aunt and uncle hate the laddie so much that they try thinking up a way to get rid of him without getting into trouble themselves. And then they remember that they live in the same village as called Johnny, a cantankerous skeleton who roams the local graveyard. That was when an idea popped into the aunt's head. Who else lived in the village with them? Called Johnny! All they had to do was send the laddie to do a job that would take him near the kirkyard. Then the laddie would feel a bony finger tapping his shoulder. And when he turned around, he would see the skeleton of cold Johnny glaring at him with those wide eye sockets shining with their eerie blue light, that wispy skull frowning at him with its leering lumps, and that hideous grin screeching for earhole to earhole with a screech of Get Root! And then the laddie would scream and whirl and scramble as fast as he could until he had sped completely out of this story. Yes, it was the perfect plan. Now all they needed was a way to send the laddie to the kirkyard without him suspecting anything. If the laddie thought for a moment that something scary might be at the kirkyard, he might not want to go. And then the plan would be ruined. So the aunt put on her sweetest voice and called, And if you and your young learners want to find out if the aunt's plan pays off, you can download our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for Cold Johnny. And that's cold, spelt the Scottish way, C-A-U-L-D. And Johnny is spelt the way that's short for Jonathan, J-O-N-N. You know, just search our website for Scottish Skeleton. That should work too. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you're an epic educator, as of 14th of October 2022, you'll also get the story as a paperback, eerily illustrated by Corky Paul, no stranger to spooky tales himself, in time for you to use for Halloween 2022. Don't worry if you missed that, though, as you can 
also order the book from any bookshop, including Amazon, and Epic Educators can access the ebook and full audiobook through the Epic Tales app. In fact, I'd like to take a moment to thank everyone who's signed up to be an Epic Educator so far, because by doing so, you are also supporting this podcast so we can keep sharing these off-the-shelf lesson ideas every week. Right now, though, let's begin our discussion with Abby and Rob here by asking, folks, what did you think of this tale? (laughs) Oh, perfect for Halloween. Yeah, really nice. Um, I liked the fact that it didn't go as expected. It had all the elements you need, Mm -hmm. but it had bits and pieces. You're like, ooh, okay, that's not what I was expecting. Yes, it's a tale of the unexpected in, in more ways than one. I think that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with this story. And I give credit to the storyteller from Aberdeen. Pauline Cordner, who introduced me to this tale. And I've had so much fun sharing it. In fact, this is this is a story that I've actually had requested several times when I've gone into schools and told this story and then been back there afterwards. I've had children clamoring to hear this story again and again and again because it is so much fun. Was there anything in particular that you found exciting about it, Abby? I think it's really perfect for an end of October story because it's ideal to study at Halloween. But what's really nice is you can start exploring the story. And then because Mm. it delves into the cultural tradition of Scotland, you can eke that out through to Burns Night in January. So you can actually, so I've got later in the week, I've got some ideas that you can continue this on. So you could make it quite a nice theme that you carry on over a number of weeks. It's fun. It's got lots of elements that would be really fun and I I can just see I know how young children particularly my own get hyped up around Halloween Uh, Mm. I just thought it was a really great story yeah uh, that's a really beautiful idea you know linking it from this to Burns Night yeah that will get you all the way through autumn and into the winter and in fact there are quite a few spooky traditions surrounding Christmas as well I mean often ghost tales around the campfire are a, a Christmas thing and one of our stories i think yeah i think it's the story that we are releasing for christmas this year involves the mexican posada which involves dressing up as skeletons quite often it's very similar to the day of the dead tradition as well Mm. so there's plenty of ways that you could uh, explore this story and turn it into a longer project Mm. i do wonder though whether you've been able to find any personal social health or emotional uh, topics in this tale because usually Halloween stories are, like you say, Abby, they they are for fun. So did you? Did you find any PSHE here for your young learners? I'll start with you, Abby, since you were were the one who was keen on eking this story out as long as possible. Would you be able to look at this with ages four to seven from a PSHE point of view? Yes, absolutely. And I think one of the things that is often tackled at the start of a new term, um, particularly with children who are brand new to the school, sort of reception age children, sometimes in year one is that whole let's get confident with the place where we are where we live Mm. so this this sits within that personal social emotional development that total awareness of self and i Mm. thought the way that it links to this story in a really nice way is you would often talk about the school that you live the surrounding area so do you live in a village do you live in a town where is the place where you live and i thought the way that you can explore that with this story is who 
are the service people who work around me. So Johnny terrifies the poor milkman and uh, (laughs) who runs away and then terrifies the postman and runs away. So they'll be familiar people to the youngest children in the school. But they Mm. might need teaching and learning opportunity to then say, well, who else works either in the school or in the community? So they might start talking about people who come and collect the wastage every week or Mm. people who are shopkeepers, the doctors. And depending on whether you're an urban or a rural setting, you're going to come up with a very, very different list of who the people are who help. And what's nice is around PSHE, often when you're first really connecting those young people to their key person and people who will care for their welfare, it's helping them to know who they trust as well. So Mm. not, not only is it learning about all the people who help in the school, in the in the community, but it's also who are the trusted people that I need to know about now I'm a member of the school community. Yeah, and I can see how you might be able to actually build that into the telling of the tale as well, because you could uh, expand upon that moment in the story where you're talking about all the people who Johnny is scaring away and you could start exploring with your young learners what the implications of that will be for the village Mm, so milk bottles piling up empty ones I should imagine letters not getting delivered Mm. and of course if waste disposal people aren't there then there's going to be rubbish piling up in the streets yeah who else yeah I suppose if you've got a local fire station you're not going to have fires put out actually maybe that's not one to explore because that could very much change the story if you start exploring with your young learners what happens when a, a fire breaks out. But if you want to do a bit of role play for if they're young people who do buy into trick-or-treating, mm. you could explore the fact that if you had some visitors into school prior to October the 31st, you could say to them, can you reenact a little bit of drama to scare away the doctor or to scare away whoever? And, <laughs> you know, reenact the story, the little bit of role play going on or, or even have a role play area that, that does the same thing where you you dress up as these really important people who work in your community and yes. then someone gets to be the skeleton that scares them all away. I know if I was in your class, I'd be wanting to be the skeleton. Yes, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) My maiden name actually lent itself to me being called Miss Skellington for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on up, though, to ages 7 to 11. Have you got any PSHE to rattle your young learners, Rob? I did come up with a couple, actually, and one of them is to do with rattling them. (laughs) Okay. Because quite often... Children, uh, well, I found that they're not exposed to loud music or rock music or scary stories, particularly not in the, like the traditional sense. It might be the, mm. the ghost who lives in the toilet who doesn't actually exist. But to actually mm. get them exposed to it, and we've said so many times about how stories are safe places to learn. This is a good way of yeah. building up a bit of that personal education. It's okay to hear scary stories and to realise that it's not real. Yes. It's made to feel real, but Mm -hmm. it's not real. So it's a good way of kind of gently breaking them into that kind of genre of fiction. Yeah, I mean, that's a conversation that I often have when a school brings me in to tell Halloween stories. Last year, actually, I had a very memorable experience where I was telling at the Museum of Cambridge and a six-year-old boy came along who had grown into being a big fan of mine since he met me online for his sixth birthday party in February. He'd been 
there for something that the museum had done online. He'd been to all of the other museums online storytelling events, and then he started coming along. And this was his first opportunity to come along to a physical event uh, okay. because of all of the lockdown and everything. He was really excited to meet me in person. He was dead keen to share the stories. And as soon as I started telling this Halloween story, he got so terrified, he got up and ran out. <laughs> And as a storyteller, that leaves you with two feelings, one of which is, oh, no, someone's just run out from my storytelling. I felt so sorry for him. And the other one being, yes, I've managed to scare away a child with a story that is so spooky. Are you really cold, Johnny? Was it an autobiography? (laughs) Uh, Well, I was telling spooky stories from Cambridge, so it wasn't this particular tale. But I did end up sending him a message online to say exactly what we say in the disclaimer for this story right at the very beginning, which, like I said, is is built around that conversation I will have in schools when I go in to tell stories like this. And that is that, yeah, stories like this, they are not true. And I always make it very clear the things that we're about to talk about do not exist. There's no such thing as zombies. There's no such thing as wicked witches that fly around shooting curses from their fingers, that kind of thing. And I make it very clear that the fact that you can imagine things that don't exist is part of your special skill set as being a human being. And actually, the more scared you are, the more you allow yourself to get scared by stories like this, the more you're allowing your imagination to run riot. And that actually means the more likely you are to get a better brain, to be a better critical thinker, to be able to invent things and do all of the amazing things that the imagination enables humans to do. And I find starting like that whenever launching into a a Halloween story telling session can be a great way of making sure even the children who are embarrassed about potentially feeling scared feel a lot happier actually being there and they go on to really enjoy the experience and from now on i'm going to be doing that whenever i do halloween sessions for the museum of cambridge and any other (laughs) cultural organizations as well yeah so just to kind of get children aware beforehand that it is going to have bits that scare you potentially Mm. But that's okay. And that's like you said, it's part of building up your imagination and your like your own storytelling ability as well. Because if you if of you course, hear a wider yes. range of stories, you're gonna have experience to be able to magpie parts from that. Mm. I found a couple of other bits that were kind of linked and to do with friendship. Okay. And the feelings of others. Because the aunt and the uncle do not respect the feelings of the lad Mm -hmm. they say no you must be like cinderella you must clean the toilet with your toothbrush you must wash all the dishes with your bare hands there's no kind of greeting or warmth towards him at all and even when they do Mm. appear to be showing that they're not so i would approach this as kind of a can we identify what the aunt and the uncle are doing and can we identify if it's a good or a bad thing and what could they do differently? Mm-hmm. So it'd be a good discussion to have with your class just to sit down and say, oh, how is this going to make the lad feel? How do we know that? So you're kind of thinking about empathy and inferring mm. from the story, things like that as well. And then also to kind of do with friendship as well, because in the story it says that when Johnny was alive, he didn't have many friends. And then someone comes along and shows kindness and friendship to him. And how does he respond to that? How does he react? He wasn't necessarily looking for a friend. He was just looking to scare people away. But we get a one-sided picture of who Johnny is and not the emotional 
he's really fed up of just scaring people away. He doesn't meet anyone. He doesn't get to talk to anyone. And as the lad goes to complete the different tasks, Johnny's reaction to meeting him changes as well. And he Mm. kind of warms up a bit and he's more kind of butter melting towards the end than he is at the start. Yeah, and that's one of the things I really loved about the story. The fact that you don't really get to hear Johnny's thoughts you just sort of can tell from his actions that he has decided this child needs help and that's a whole side of Johnny that yeah you're right you you didn't get to see beforehand because people had this other view of him and that's all you really know at the start you mentioned there about sort of pausing the story and getting some some empathy from them halfway through. That's a way you could maybe link to other stories like Cinderella, isn't it? Because you can ask your young learners if they know of any other characters from folklore or other books who may feel like the laddie or maybe even feel or behave like the aunt and the uncle or or called Johnny and it could be a good way of strengthening their empathy being able to detect those sorts of behaviors and feelings in in other characters definitely you could even go as far as saying do you know anything about characters from a a Shakespeare play set on a deserted Mm. island and how do they feel which is mentioned in the story (laughs) <laughs> I've completely forgotten that I mentioned that. <laughs> but yeah, the ability to empathise is a really important one and it definitely helps. As you go mm. up through the school, you're seen as a more responsible person and you've got more people looking up to you, you are more of a role model. So if you can understand how not only your peers are feeling, but the younger children in the school and the adults as well, then you're going to be a more successfully rounded person. Mm. Just thinking on that point, would you do anything like Abby's suggestion for ages four to seven, where you encourage some role play and maybe get your young learners to practice being cold Johnny and scaring each other? Yeah, I think that would probably be the first part. I might do it in three parts, actually, like a triptych. So first of all, we're hot seating him. So we've got cold Johnny sat down and everyone can ask questions. How are you feeling? Mm -hmm. What's on your mind? What are you looking forward to doing? Then do the scaring and then come back later and say, how are you feeling now? Are you still feeling the same? Has Mm -hmm. anything changed? So they can start to see like the other side as well. So you could potentially whisper quietly in a child's ear who you know is going to be able to perform this well to appear more fed up or upset that they've had to scare someone so then they can discuss oh i'm I'm fed up of scaring people i just want someone to stay and chat i mean tapping them on the shoulder to tell them a joke or whatever i have a beautiful Mm. image in my head of a key stage two where you've got two form or three form entry where one class can do some really amazing face painting and day of the dead on chip he will have to volunteer. They can create this amazing skeleton and send him in to be in role. And then the, the children from the other class who haven't actually <laughs> face painted this Day of the Dead skeleton would then have to ask questions and they have to then reverse and <laughs> do it the other yeah. way around. Well, it's certainly a great idea for some work between the classes. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be me. <laughs> it could be <laughs> other, other members of staff around your school. And actually, on that note, I, I didn't get my face painted for this podcasting session but i I have dressed up in the the halloween theme i don't know if you guys can see the skeletons and 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 roses on on the shirt yeah very good 
good. You're very good. <laughs> yeah, we, we really go to town here at Epic Tales. Are those skeletons on your dress as well, Abby? Well, I wish they were now. I feel underdressed. <laughs> it, it's a podcast. You can be wearing whatever you like. <laughs> I'm sure there's cobwebs. There's cobwebs and spiders. So I've definitely, definitely managed to uh, contribute those. Well, the, the orange pumpkin tie that I'm wearing will definitely add something to that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's all we have time for in this episode, folks. If you'd like to talk to us about anything you've heard in this podcast, or if there's a subject you are soon to teach that you'd like us to cover, you can find us on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favorite podcast app. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world, so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable, and enjoyable all at the same time. Tomorrow, call Johnny and the laddie will help us teach English. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio, and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! And we hope to hear your story soon! soon.